Places I, I like getting out in the morning time and driving around, and uh, we've been we've been oh I guess close to a week uh, in a little town. I asked with the guards, I said, "How do you pronounce it?" And I don't think he he's knew how or been there. It's, it's Port Hunineme, H U E N E M E, maybe a couple of M's and a couple of N's in there, and. I, E's and A's in there. I don't know. Does anybody know how to pronounce that? Port Hunenemy? Wineenemy? Uh, see, I, I think I took a long turn somewhere and ended up someplace that I think I was in California somewhere. It's close to Ventura, so I know I was. Uh, but I got out and drive, drove around, and uh, one, of my, one of my favorite things about California is coming and getting the fruit cups on the street, get, going getting fruit cups, and you get the mangoes, and you get the... Uh, you get the pineapples and you get the, I'm not going to tell you what else you get because you'll be hungry and your mind will be far away from the message tonight. But I love those things. And uh, you sprinkle that salt and seasonings on it and I love it. And 
then uh, we're driving around. They had these, this like a grill, gas-powered grill, and they had fajitas and the tacos and all of that on it. And back home, we have what they call Trini food, uh, Trinidad food. They have all kinds of different trailers with different cultures of different foods, and I love that. But as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm watching the people and the community that I'm at. I'm watching the people in the community of, of the Port Unenemy, and I'll call them Unenemy for the lack of a correct term um, to pronounce it. Uh, Google calls it three different ways. I thought I'll, I'll find out how it's pronounced when you ask Google, and they told me three different ways. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, one of them might be right. But I look at and I see the young men that are out peddling the fruit cups, and I see uh, the couples that are that are uh, making up the tacos and the fajitas, and and they're lost and without God. Uh, many of the people out there are homeless, and many of the people out there they 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 don't have a God, they don't have a real God. They have the God with a little G in their life. But I look at these great, awesome young people. And I see young people that there's hope for their lives and there's hope for the future. There's hope for the apostolic movement because of there's some young people and some older people that are willing to stand up for what they believe in and live by what they believe in and serve God. Without God, our life would be hopeless. Without God, our life would be a wreck. Without God, my life would be nothing. I owe so much to my Savior. I am redeemed. I am bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. I feel like the Apostle Paul, if it would be for the grace of God, there, there, there would it go I. And I love seeing people living for God. I love people serving God. I thank you, Brother Garza, for opening up your pulpit and your church to me. I don't take it lightly. I, I, don't, I don't take the sacred desk lightly. I don't take, I don't take the God's anointed, anointing his messages. I don't take it lightly. I want to follow the will of God. I want to follow what God has for him in my life. I can't turn back on God. I can't, I can't stop serving God. I can't stop living for God. With everything I've got, I want to live for God. The, uh, we went to the, uh, to the Ronald Reagan Museum, and one of his comments, I don't know exactly, but he says, basically, after he got shot, he says, I know from this day forward, whatever God has in store for me, I'm going to, I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to do my best. Uh, of course, his living for God is not the same as ours. wasn't the same as ours, but, but I, can, I feel the same way. It's from this point forward, whatever he has for me, from this point forward, I'm his servant, and I'm his to obey. I love my God. If you'll turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 29, book of Exodus, chapter 29. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. Book at Exodus chapter 29. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. Do we have anybody here that loves the Word of God tonight? I believe in the Word of God. It, it, it picks you up when you're down. It gives you strength when you don't think you can go on any longer. And Aaron, verse 4, and Aaron and his sons... Thou shalt bring into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shalt wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat 
and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. And thou shalt put the mitre upon his head, and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. And thou shalt bring his sons, and put coats upon them, and thou shalt gird them with girdles. Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them, and the priest office shall be theirs for perpetual statute. And thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. First came the anointing oil. First came the holy anointing oil. His sons stood at the doorpost. The sons stood there and watched to see what would happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. They'd never seen this before in their life. It had never happened before in their life. This was the first time that it had happened. Uh, but Aaron had that anointing oil put on him. And after the anointing oil had been on him, after Aaron felt the anointing oil, then it was time for them to consecrate Aaron and his sons. Get 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. 2 Kings chapter 8. Verses 1 through 5. Then spake Elisha unto the woman, whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called... For a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at this after or at the seven years in that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king, how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house, and for her land, and Gehazi said, My Lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. One more set of scriptures, 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, 
For thou shalt smite these Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him. And he said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then haddest thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. But the guards, would you pray, Pastor, pray this evening for us, please. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. I'm going to preach for a little while tonight. I'm going to preach the transfer of God's anointing. The transfer of God's anointing. In this story that we had read, Gehazi was standing in the presence of the king. He was standing where royalty was. He was standing where everything was beautiful. He was standing where the throne was beautiful. He was standing where the tapestry was, uh, was beautiful. He was standing, uh, whatever floor coverings they had was beautiful. The king's clothes was the best that there was. The people that was in the king's palace was the best that there was. He was looking at the best. There's something I believe that Gehazi had, had wandered in and out of the king's palace because he was Elisha's servant. I believe the king loved hearing stories as through this this story right here that the king had asked Gehazi, tell me a story. Tell me what had happened. And so I don't know how often Gehazi got to go into the king's presence. I, we, we don't, it's not recorded that he had went in any other times, but it also it's not recorded that this was the first time he had ever been there. Gehazi got to looking around. He, he got to liking the things that he saw in the king's palace. But he is only there. The only reason why Gehazi was there was because of his connection to Elisha. I believe the only reason why the king brought him in to let him see and hear, let the king hear stories of what Elisha had done was because of Elisha's connection to Gehazi. So he was telling a story about what had happened to that lady, how that, that son was raised, to, was raised to life, and he kind of liked it. He got to feeling important. He got to feeling like everything was okay, and he got to feeling like things was good because he got to be in the king's palace. But, but he, stopped, he stopped remembering that the reason why he was places that his family could have never brought him. He was places, and he was living in places that his family could have never helped him out. His family could have never got him there. It's because of the, because of the connection that he had to the man of God. I do realize in my life that there's many times in my life that I, that I get to know people, that, I, that I'm friends with people, and I get to be around people only because of the connection that I have of the man of God in my life. And the only connection that I have to God in my life, and I don't ever want to pass that up, and I don't ever want to think that it's just me and I don't want to think it's my personality and I don't want to think it's my knowledge and I don't want to think it's because of me that I get to stand in the presence of people I never would have ever been able to stand in the presence of but only because of the touch of God in my life. Gehazi's only claim to fame was that of being the servant washing Gehazi's hands. I believe he did get to the point to where he thought that he was better than he was. We serve God and we live for God. Many people, they've, they've lived things and they've done that they've never done in their life. And they, 
They've seen places they've never seen before, but they never forget. They forget to realize that we have this privilege. We step into the presence of God when this this evening as y'all was worshiping God and I saw the, the pews lined up and I saw the altars lined up. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of how great we are. It's not because of how fancy we are. It's because of the presence of the King of all kings. And it's because of the presence of God in our life. I believe Gehazi was torn between two worlds. I believe he was torn between the world that he felt something real. And he was also torn between the world to where he thought he saw something that was awesome in his life. When the anointing was flowing, his mind was on the king's palace. I believe when he was touching the, uh, Elisha and Elisha was talking to him, I believe his mind was on the king's palace. We do live in a time, and I grew up in church my entire life. And I've seen young people and I've seen older people. I've seen moms and I've seen dads. I've seen them come to church and I've seen them coast. I've seen them come to church and when the presence of God is flowing. I've seen them just coast and I've seen them, their mind a million miles off of what God is really doing in this place. And I've seen their eyes get so cold in God. And I've seen their eyes start wandering off to the places that they would rather be besides being in the house of God. When I'm standing in the king's presence, when I'm standing in the king of all kings' presence, I don't want my mind to wonder from what God is doing in my life. I don't want my mind to wonder from what God's got for me for the here and for the now. I nothing more important in my life is happening than what's happening inside my soul when I'm in the presence of God. There's nothing more important in my life than what I get to feel when I'm in the presence of God. When I'm sick and when my children's sick, I get to bring these needs to God. And I just don't have to hear about the old time healing. And I don't just get to hear about the old time presence of God. And I don't just get to hear about it. I get to experience the power of God. And I get to experience what God wants for me in my life. I don't take that for granted, church. I don't take that for granted at all in my life. We can never truly have the presence of God in our life without having the anointing power of God in my life. I can't be victorious without the anointing power of God in my life. I need the anointing. You need the anointing. We can't live for God above the, above the line that Pastor Garza was talking about earlier. We can't be successful living above the line if we don't have the anointing in our lives. If we don't have the power in our lives, we will find ourselves always living lower than what are the means in God would have us to live. We find, ourselves, we find ourselves too many times not getting all that God has for us. I look and I see the old men, the men of old, and I see what's happened to them in the Word of God, and I see the preachers and I see the pastors that, that has allowed God to do things in their lives, and they feel the presence of God. They don't feel the power of God because they've touched it one time, and they don't feel the presence of God because they went into His presence one time. They feel that because they went time and time and time again feeling the presence of God in their life. Oh, we think, we think so many times that, that either the, a lot of times feel like the good things that's happened in our life that it's new to us. And we also get time thinking that the, that the bad things are in life that's happening is because of the day and age that we live in. I'm here to tell you tonight that there is nothing new under the sun. 
There are times in our lives where I've spent on the mountaintop with God and I'm looking at a church and I'm looking at a people that you've spent time on the mountaintop with God and you've spent time in God's presence and you've spent time feeling the power of God. But also I look and I know we're human and I know we're, we're carnal as far as flesh and blood and there's been times that we've spent times it seemingly on our back and it seems like we spent times so far away from the presence of God. But whether you're close to the presence of God, I hope you don't I hope you don't feel like I've got anything under my crawl tonight. I don't have anything under my crawl tonight. But I do know we live in a day and age where Satan is trying to rock you to sleep. And we live in a time that Satan is trying to destroy every fiber that you've got of the Word of God in your life. And we're living in a day and age where Satan tries to give you the goods of this world and try to give you all the great things of this world. And I thank God for all of his many blessings on me. Brother Garza, I can't, I cannot, I cannot, uh, I cannot do away with understanding and knowing that everything that I've got good in my life, God gave it to me. Everything powerful in my life, I know that God gave it to me. And everything God has done for me, I know He's done it for me because He loves me and He cherishes my relationship with Him. And He wants me to serve Him with everything I've got. I believe I'm preaching to a group of people tonight who understand the blessings of God. I believe we're, I'm preaching to a group of people who understand the blessings and understand the power of God in their life. There's so many examples I could bring tonight. There's so many examples I could bring forth you of people in the Word of God who just got cold in God. People who just walked away from God. A few of them that, that I've just I pointed out, but I believe there's so many more in the Word of God. We have Martha, who could have been sitting at Jesus' feet. Could have been sitting at Jesus' feet the whole time. But yet, she chose the things in life that was not that important. We're in the presence of God. We're in His power. We're in His goodness and we're in His mercy. And sometimes we sit down while the power of God's flowing. And we, 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 um, we balance our checkbooks. And we, and we, we think about what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and we're, we've got Martha on our mind. And we get, there's Martha's spirits happening to us. Uh, there's a lady at our church years and years ago. And her name was Martha. And she said one time, she said, I get tired of every time preachers come by. They always give Martha a bad name because there has to be a Martha that does the work. Which is true. But Martha, you can work tomorrow. Martha, you can do your job tomorrow. Martha, when you get out of church tonight, you can do your work tomorrow. You can, you can do the things of God tomorrow, and you can do them not but tonight, right now. And right now, this is the time that we spend in the presence of God. This time slot, no matter how big it is, no matter how big or no matter how short it is, this time slot that you have is dedicated to serving God and dedicated to be in God's presence. Oh, God, give me a church that everything they've got is in that mind of God right now, right now at this point in time, and anything else that's important can be done later. Miracles that could happen in your life. I don't have to be a prophet to say this. There's people with miracles needed in their life. And you need miracles and you need God to come through for you. 
But yet you're sitting so, so many times we find ourselves sitting on the pew and not allowing God to do what God wants to in our life. And we find ourselves sitting there and not letting God come through with a miracle in your life. I'm not fussing at you. I'm not a pastor myself. I know, what, I know what goes on in people's minds. And I know what goes on in their lives. If, God, if you would just allow God to work in your life like he wants to. Great miracles could happen right here inside of these four walls. What about, what about Agrippa? Agrippa was listening to an apostolic preacher and chose not to take the path which that man's anointing would have led him down. The apostolic was preacher was preaching. And King Agrippa, just all he said, almost, almost, almost. Another another. Example is, is Judas. Judas, a follower of Jesus Christ, God in flesh. God in flesh and Judas. Judas decided he'd rather have the things that those 30 pieces of silver would afford him. In Leviticus chapter 27, verses 1 through 4, and the Lord spake. Unto Moses say, and speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. And thy estimation shall be of the mill from twenty years old, even unto sixty years old. Even thy estimation shall be fifty shekels of silver, and after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be thirty shekels. That's a message for another time. Jesus Christ was, was sold for the price of a female. I'm glad. You know why? Because I'm part of the church that Jesus Christ was sold for. I'm part of the church that Jesus Christ was sacrificed for. I'm part of the church that he laid down his life for. Blood bought, child of the king. The name of Jesus Christ, baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. My sins washed away because Jesus Christ was sold for the price of a church. He was sold for that price, and I'm so glad that one day God came down and robed himself in flesh. And God died for my sins, and God rose again on the third day so I could rise and walk in newness of life. I'm so glad that God gave his life for me. I'm so glad that God reached down and came down and understood that the blood of bullocks and the blood of goats and the blood of shelams, it could could not offer my salvation. But God knew there was one way that he could buy my salvation, and that's if he offered himself on Calvary. The list of examples in the Bible making a decision to deny Jesus could be expanded, but I'm, going for, I'm not going that route anymore. I'm not going there anymore. Though there were there those in the Bible who made the decision, the percentages of those who know God today and still deny Him has grown tremendously. 
People have came in contact with Jesus Christ. People have came and been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. People has allowed God to flow in their lives. But yet here we sit sometimes in a church house and we allow the service to pass us by. And we allow the, the weeks and the months and the years to pass us by when all we need to do is allow the anointing that's flowing through the man of God's lips. All we need to do is allow the anointing that's flowing in this place to cover us with the anointed power of God and allow him to change our lives and allow him to do something on the inside of you that can change you and your families for eternity. Allow God allow the anointing to work in your life and not just sit down and allow the power to flow by and not allow me to have what I need in my life because God's got the anointing power for me and God's got the anointing power for you in your life. Someone let's worship God tonight. We need his anointing. The transfer of God's anointing. The transfer of the power of God's anointing. If you're here tonight, you don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm not, it's not stopping, but, but these altars can be open for anybody who needs that anointing power in their life. Anybody who's struggling with drugs tonight. Anybody who's struggling with alcohol tonight. Anybody that is struggling with needing something from God tonight. All it takes is for you to come one trip to the altar and believe that God wants to deliver you. And God will deliver you through the power of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Oh, God wants to fill someone with the Holy Ghost. And more than that, he wants to fill somebody else, refill someone else with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you'll come, allow God to work in you. I can preach while you're praying. You can pray and I can stop. It don't really matter tonight. But God wants to deliver someone for the power of sin in their life. Oh, God wants to deliver someone with the power of sin in their life. Oh, we'll go back up tonight. Hallelujah. The book of Exodus chapter 29, verses 4 through 9. Yes, keep praying. We can pray while I preach. Hallelujah. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shall wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments and put Aaron upon the coat and, and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod and thou shalt put the mitre upon his head and the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him and thou shalt bring his sons and put coats upon him. I tell you, well, let's just all, let's all come down and pray tonight. Oh, why don't someone get the Holy Ghost tonight? Oh, the name of Jesus Christ. Church, if you could stop for a second, Brother Garza told me to take my liberty. There is, God's moving, but there is something that I feel like um, a point I want to bring out in this message that I think that I believe everybody are to understand and are to know. When I was a child, I used to hear, and even when I got older, I used to hear in, of, of the, this, the, the instance that happened where the Elisha got wroth with the king because he only beat the arrows three times. He got wroth, and I always wondered, the man did exactly what his man of God told him to do. Exactly. I went back and read that time after time after time. 
He did exactly to the T what his man of God told him to do. He says, get a bow and put your hand on it. Church, there's a plow that your pastor has told you to plow. He's told you to work. He's even put his hand upon your hand. And then he says, here's take the arrows and shoot the, shoot the arrow out the window. The man of God took his hands off the bow. And the man pulled his arrow back and he shot the arrow. He said, take the arrows and, and hit, hit the ground with them. I don't find anywhere, anywhere in the story where the man did anything different than what the man of God told you. You struggled. There's some people that struggle with sin. There's people that struggle with habits. There's people that struggle with some things in their life they need victory over tonight. They need victory in their life. But you've done, you've done what your pastor told you to do. What I find in that and praying for this message, what I feel like God showed me was Elisha was expecting something just a little bit different. He was expecting the king to feel his anointing. He put his hands on the king's hand. I believe with everything within me, Elisha thought he'll feel the anointing when I put my hands on him. How many times has your pastor got behind the pulpit and prayed and preached under the anointing of God thinking this time, this time it will work and this time it will click. This time they'll feel the anointing. This time they'll feel the power. This time they'll understand. This time it won't just be the letter of the law, but it'll be the spirit of the law also. How many times he got back from behind the pulpit, but yet you'd never, not, I'm not everyone, but yet there's people that are struggling tonight that has never felt the anointing power of God work in their life. I believe with everything in my life, if that king would have felt the anointing of the man of God, he, when he grabbed those arrows, he would have grabbed those arrows and he would have beat the ground, not because the, king, the man of God told him to, not because the man of God said you need to, but I believe he would have grabbed a hold of those arrows with the anointing that the man of God would have had on when he put his hands on the king, and he would have felt that, and he would have beat the arrows, and he would have beat the arrows, and he beat the arrows, not because he was told to, but because he would have felt the anointing power of God flowing through his body, like so many times your man of God gets behind the pulpit, and he preaches to you, and he thinks this time they'll get it, and this time they'll be victorious, and this time they'll be power in their life but yet we time many I, I, I'm, I'm, I am not fussing at anybody I'm not trying to take the place of a pastor in this place tonight but I just want you to know you need to grab a hold of the anointing when your pastor preaches and you need to get a hold of the anointing when your pastor prays and when he brings someone and grab a hold of that anointing and when he gets through preaching what he preaches about you will grab the arrows of the man of God and you will strike the arrows and you'll strike it till there's victory in your life until there's over coming power in your life till you will finally walk away from the church building going I get it this time I have felt the anointing of my man of God and I will never ever be the same oh when you feel the anointing of your man of God you will never ever be the same when you feel his anointing you will have victory like never before and when you feel his anointing you will have power like never before in your life to defeat the sin that's come against you oh my prayers to this church hallelujah Jesus.